Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. Let's reference this now, what we just read, to today's church, especially, this can be referenced all around the world, but I want to focus specifically on the decline of the church in America. If we peek behind the curtain of some progressive or hip churches today, Try and look past the the savvy technology and the secular music and, and the latte stands out in the lobby, and you'll find more than just a contemporary worship service. You'll find so-called faith leaders encouraging young evangelical Christians to trade in their Christian convictions for a gospel that's filled with compromise. Compromising the scriptures. This is happening in our churches today. And folks, I for one am sick of it. I'm sick and tired of people compromising the gospel. Especially church leaders compromising the gospel. These demon deceived church leaders are slowly attempting to give evangelicalism an update to bring it into the modern era. And this change is not for good. It's painful for me to admit it, but we can no longer rest carefree in our Christian identity because our Christian identity, the world is seeking to change. No doubt you've seen the headlines declaring that Christianity is doomed because Christian kids are leaving the faith in record numbers. It's no secret. There's an expanding gulf between traditional Christian teachings and contemporary moral values, especially in this nation. The sad truth is the ideological gulf between America's evangelical grown-ups and their kids, also known as the millennials, seems to be widening also. I just seen a uh, uh, result of a survey today. It was taken about a month ago. This saddened me. It said only 74% of Americans now claim true Christianity. 74%. of America now believe something else. That there's either no God, or they believe another God, or they believe there are many ways to heaven. One out of four Americans do not believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. This is down just 10 years ago, where it was at almost 80%. And 10 years before that, And for as long as I can remember, it was 90% or above. That's how far America has slidden down the path to hell. Just in the past generation. Somehow, the blame for this chasm is being heaped 
onto the traditional churches. It's your fault. They are accused of having too many rules and being homophobic and bigoted. Yes, we've all heard those false claims from the pulp culture or pop culture in a desperate attempt to keep Christianity confined to the four walls of the church. But now the pop culture is being aided by Christ-professing bedfellows, for lack of a better word, whose messages coexist or tolerance or keep out of politics today. It's more marketable to the rising generation of kids if we use their music and things they're familiar with. The seasoned Christian soldiers of the faith are noticing this distortion in the gospel that's being preached. But for young Christian evangelicals, the spiritual haze is harder for them to wade through, harder for them to see through. Desperate for acceptance in basically a fallen world, many young people, and some older ones as well, choose not to take Christ out of the church building. Just, you know, we'll live our life and we'll come here on Sunday and just leave Jesus here. We don't want to take him with us because some people will look down on us for that. They're unwittingly killing was supposed to be the church's public witness in the community. In this uphill cultural battle, mired by scare tactics, basically, there's name-calling and fear. There's what I have seen, basically three types of evangelical Christians today, especially in America, but I know this is around the world. First is what I call the couch potato Christians. These Christians adapt to the culture by remaining silent on the tough culture and faith discussions taking place. Typically, this group will downplay God's absolute truths by promoting the illusion that neutrality was Jesus' preferred method of evangelism. You see that all the time, especially when it's dealing with, uh, you know, like the abortion issue or homosexual marriages and things like that. Well, Jesus loves everyone, and, uh, you know, as, as long as you believe, really, that's all that matters. And, and we have the gospel of grace. We live in the grace age where everything is forgiven because Jesus paid the price for it. And it doesn't really matter if you're shacking up with someone. It doesn't really matter if you know you you don't go to church. You're drinking on Saturday night and partying, and and you're just you know you got to sleep in Sunday. I mean you know you didn't come home and go to bed till four in the morning. Nobody wants to get up and go to church and hear a boring sermon. I mean you know we believe in God, but you know we got a life to live. You know we got friends. We're young. We're only young once. And hear stuff like that all the time. And they won't take a stand for any biblical issues. Well, you know, it's if that's the way you believe, if that's the way you want to live, that's between you and God, and, and you'll have to work all that out yourself. They refuse to take a stand. These are the couch potato Christians. Don't involve me. Just let me stay home, and, and I don't want to get involved in politics or anything like that. 
Next is what I like to call the cafeteria-style Christians. This group picks and chooses which scripture passages to live by, opting for the ones that seem to jive with culture and whatever's hip at the time. Typically, they focus only on the nice parts of the gospel, while simultaneously and, I should say, intentionally minimizing sin, hell, repentance, transformation. You see this going on in many, many of the grace gospel churches that are prevalent today. You know, it's right now the big thing is uh, gay rights and homosexual marriages and LBGT, whatever else acronym you want to add on there. The Christians will come out and, and support that. Well, they love each other. Who's to say God did not create them that way? Well, the Bible says God didn't create them that way. He created man and woman. He instituted marriage between man and woman. Some people say Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. He created marriage for the purpose of completing into one spiritual being and for the procreation of mankind on this earth. Those things are impossible in female-female or male-male relationship. Well, we only want equal rights. We want to be married to each other because we love each other. Mm -hmm. Show me that in the Bible where God did not judge it. God did judge this type of lifestyle. And if we in America continue to promote it and push it and accept it, then America will be judged also. The third type of Christian we have in America, thank God, are the convictional Christians. This group are the ones that Cannot be silenced, glory to God. In the face of our culture's harsh admonitions, they take a stand. They refuse to be silent. They, mimicking Jesus, they compassionately talk about love and grace while also sharing with their neighbors the need to recognize and turn from sin. Amen? I know about these three types of Christians. I know about them personally because at one time or another I've fallen into each of these categories. Even though I was raised in church, I had morphed into a full-fledged agnostic at one time. I believed you could be a Christian and still partake of the world's pleasures. And let me just emphasize, I'm not trying to emphasize a gospel of works, salvation by works. No, I'm not saying that. Amen. Salvation is through the grace of God. Yes, we live in an age of grace, which simply means we are receiving what we did not deserve, and we did not receive what we did deserve. That's the age of grace. And you can only walk in that grace By believing Jesus paid what you could not pay. And he did it for you. Amen. But at the time, I believed you could 
do whatever you wanted. I believe that most church-going Christians, they, at that time, I believe they were just ignorant and they bought into this, you know, old-fashioned gospel thing and the distorted social justice rhetoric that confuses caring for the poor with advancing a socialist or big government system and demonizing the United States for its capitalism and free market system. I believed all that trash. I'm not ashamed to tell you this story about my life because my experiences, as well as those of my fellow bold evangelicals, are a testimony of God's awesomeness, His transforming power. Believe me, when I say if you would have known me 30 years ago, I was the long shot, to use a horse racing term, I was the long shot at becoming a minister of the gospel. One, that was the farthest thing from my mind. But now I look back, and I can honestly say I was actually called into the ministry at age 16. I didn't know it then. Looking back on it, I know it now. I even made a couple of appointments and went and talked to our pastor at our church with questions I had. And the questions I was asking, I look back now, I was actually trying to find the reasoning behind what I was feeling inside. I was seeking the Lord, but I was also acknowledging that I had been called to preach. I, I remember sitting in the pews in the church and listening to the pastor speak on Sunday mornings. And I could hear God say, you'll be up there one day. And I ran from that. I ran from it for 20 years until I finally bowed my knee to the calling God put on my life. But if you would have had money and if you would have bet money on me doing what I do now, if you said, no, God has a call for him and you'd have put 20 bucks down, that was a long shot. You'd be a millionaire right now because I was living a life completely opposite of a Christian believer. Being counterculture for Jesus is not easy. What does the Great Commission say? What did Jesus command us to do? He said in Matthew 28, 20, Go and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Not just some things, everything. And the culture and society in America today, they don't want to hear everything Jesus said to do. I'm in the process of writing a book right now. and The tentative title is The Questions Jesus Asked. And the subtitle is How Would You Answer Them Today? And I'm going through it. I'm taking every question Jesus asked and then we'll have a short commentary on it. So when Jesus asked a question, sometimes he was looking for a response. Simon, how do, well, he said, how do men, or how do you say 
Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So Jesus was seeking a response. Sometimes it's a rhetorical question. He just wants them to think about it. So the book I'm writing right now deals with this subject. But the part I want to emphasize here is that society today and the culture in America, they don't want to do everything Jesus commanded them to do. They want to pick and choose. That's like a cafeteria Christian. That's the society we live in today. Thou shalt not kill. Boy, they'll raise that one up in a heartbeat when you try and execute a criminal. Someone who was convicted, maybe of killing a cop and some other people, and convicted and sentenced to die. Oh, the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. No, that word kill has dual meanings in the Greek and in the Hebrew. It's literally, thou shalt not commit murder. What is murder? Murder is the illegal taking of someone's life. So there's two types of killing that are authorized in the Bible. One is in an act of punishment. God himself laid out in, in the Bible that uh, if there's a murderer and he's convicted on the testimony of two or more witnesses, that every word shall be established and that he shall die. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Then you have the killing in a Christ-sanctioned war. Not going to war over oil or not going to war because your feelings are hurt, but when God ordains war, which is in the Bible, some people say, well, how can you say all these nations that, that you know the Jews fought and destroyed them? It says they killed the women and the children and the, all the animals. That is so terrible. Why couldn't they just kill the soldiers? Same reason you just can't kill Muslim soldiers today. Because they hide behind the women and the children. Yes, it's terrible that the women and the children must suffer for this, but they are worshiping a false god. They are leading people to worship a false god. They're demanding people worship a false god. And God himself told the Jewish people, have no part in them. Because he knew that if he left them alone, that they would end up following the pagan practices. These people in these nations that in the, the Bible that God told them to go and wipe out of existence, they had refused numerous offers to accept Jehovah, the God of the Jews. But they had rejected it and they had degraded their society to the point where they were hopeless to turn around. The Muslim nations are reaching that point today. Many of them have already reached it. You know, they want to have world dominance. They want Islam to be the religion of the world. But at the same time, if you look at how they live, you can tell they're cursed. And they want now to have their own zones of Sharia law in the United States. Once they get that foothold, you cannot root them out. Amen. Anyway, I'm getting off subject here. I want to be perfectly clear. 
the greater part of Christian parents took their children to church, me included, prayed with them at night before bed. Now, I didn't do that because, like I said, at the time, I was running as fast as I could away from God when I was raising my kids. So I had my wife take them to church, and on odd occasion, I would attend also, you know, Easter, Christmas Eve, and things like that. Where'd we go wrong? I see many parents scratching their heads, trying to figure out where they went wrong with their children. But it's right there. Proverbs 22 says, 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. I failed in that. Parents today are failing in this. They're letting the kids do what they want. So as they get older, why shouldn't they do what they want? It was good enough when I was a kid. I repent before God that I affected my children that way. And now my grandchildren are being affected that way. Praise God, repentance is still available. Praise God, the power of the Holy Spirit has not diminished. Praise God, His Word still works when put to use. Amen? Glory to God. But for the greater part of Christian parents, as well as my own kids and the grandchildren that I love so dear, the values these children today that they hold on to do not reflect the traditional teachings of Jesus. I want to let you know up front, this is not a parenting how-to sermon. Amen? This is not a sermon where if you follow these steps, you'll lead your loved ones to salvation and everything will just be great. No, it's not like that at all. Instead, what I can offer you is just a glimpse into the world of Someone who's seen thousands of young evangelicals being spiritually and emotionally targeted by television in stores and advertisements and and so-called college ministries and seminaries at churches nationwide. I've been all around this country in different venues. I've literally preached in front of thousands of people all around this country. And there's a growing liberal movement that is cloaked in Christianity. As I mentioned, research tells us that Christians today, especially evangelicals, are drifting further and further away from the orthodox truths their parents and grandparents held to, lived for, and believed. Our parents, our churches, have rarely if ever, seeing the exodus we're seeing today. This will have a direct effect on the spiritual and moral values that are shaping this nation now and will shape the nation in the coming years. This is why it's so important, so urgent, that concerned Christians start acting now before the situation gets worse. Faith and culture will continue to slide and collide in America. We can see it now almost every night on the evening news. The culture wars, the growth of family, the success of missions, the prosperity of our great nation, 
The future rests now on the millennial generation's worldviews. And the millennial evangelicals are under pressure to conform or remain silent. This is cause for concern because something has gone wrong with our younger evangelicals' theology if they believe they have to conform to fit in. The millennial generation's susceptibility to the feel-good doctrine is playing a big part in America's moral decline. The millennials' religious practices depend largely on how the actions make us and others feel, whether the activities are biblical or not. For example, we only attend churches that have us feeling good about our lifestyle and choices, even if those choices conflict with God's commandments. We dismiss the old hymns that focus on God's transforming salvation, His love, His mercy. And instead, we opt for Jesus is our boyfriend type of songs. Or we contribute to nonprofits that exploit and misuse terms such as justice, oppressed, and inequality because tweaking the language just a little bit makes us feel more neutral and less confrontational. After all, we want to live Jesus before everyone. We want them to see Jesus living through us, and that will draw them to us. After all, we're supposed to be a light set on the hill, and Jesus said he would draw all people to the light. So if it's God's will that they be saved through us, that they'll see us, and then they will will come and ask us how to become a Christian. Well, in some cases, that's true. The majority of cases, it's false. You're being deceived by a lying devil. Jesus nowhere said, never witness to anyone. Never do any great works. Just go about living your life. You know, if, if you're called in the ministry for homosexuals, well, you have to become a homosexual first so you can draw people to the light you have and then lead them out. If you're called to minister to drug addicts, you must become a drug addict first so you can understand what they're doing and lead them out. If you're called to minister to alcoholics, you must become an alcoholic first and then lead them out. If you're called to minister to wife abusers, well, you have to abuse your wife first. Jesus never taught that trash. Why is it we are looking at it in that, that way now? because we're deceived. Amen. Out of fear of being falsely dubbed intolerant. You hear that a lot today. Uh, Incompassionate. Many young Christians are buying into these theological falsehoods. 
You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God.